0: Welcome,
1: I'm Dr. Robert Groves, your host for the Groves Connection podcast. The Groves Connection brings you intimate conversations with pundits, providers, patients, leaders, and lay people, all to help us understand a contradiction. How can our healthcare system be both magnificent and yet so deeply flawed? We're going inside healthcare to talk candidly with those who know. What they have to say may delight, surprise, frustrate, or at times even anger you. But I invite you to get curious and listen to the truth about healthcare and those who want to fix it. Maybe the answers have been there all along. We just need to make the connection. Are you ready to connect, Dr. Sunil Budrani? Welcome to the Groves Connection.
0: Thank you so much. I was looking forward to catching up with you today.
1: How are you? Uh, I am doing great, Sunil. And, and the first thing I have to do is say that uh, you're a very patient man. And, and to give the audience an idea of uh, of what that means, uh, full in the in the interest of full transparency, Sunil and I just did an hour and a half, a great show, and I forgot to push record. (laughs) So let's get right back into it. And and to start out, as you know, Sunil, now, I want to start with where you grew up and what that was like, you know, elementary school. What were you thinking then? What was your home life like? Give us a a flavor of what that felt like for you.
0: Yes, yes. And again, thanks for the opportunity here to share this with you. So uh, I grew up um, the first son of an immigrant family who settled in the uh, the DC, Maryland area in the 60s. Um, Interestingly enough, um, I was the first kid in our family to complete high school and go into college Mm -hmm. and then on to medical school. So I have my deepest roots and greatest foundation from how I was brought up. And that was in uh, a retail mall business. I grew up in a jewelry store, in a jewelry family business. And and I think some of the most important lessons I learned uh, in my career came from those early experiences when I was a young boy, um, I understood and appreciated the value of uh, uh, taking uh, calculated risk. I understood and appreciated the importance of the customer and the people that we're serving, um, how to build uh, relationships with people, communication skills, and so on. And uh, so, you know, those early years provided a foundation I never thought would come in so handy later in my career as I went down
1: these medical pursuits. Tell me, uh, did you have any inkling at that time that you wanted to be uh, in healthcare? Was that on your mind? You know, like many folks at the time, I call it the
0: pre-internet era. Yeah. You know, the, especially if you came from a family that was immigrating to this country, you know, there was a lot of uh, emphasis and interest in 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 the sciences or the engineering fields and so on. So for me, I would say early on, um, being the Kind of first child educated in the country that science was something that was encouraged uh, in my family and right. fortunately it didn't feel like something that was forced upon in the sense that i naturally ended up enjoying the subject matter yeah. and also the idea of someday becoming a doctor so i'm one of those folks for good or bad ever since i can remember or have a recollection of anything that i was telling myself someday
1: it would be great to be able to take care of people and patients uh, by virtue of being a physician. You know, what's fascinating uh, in my mind about uh, uh, your career in particular is yes, science-based, but uh, relationships are incredibly important to uh, much of your career or that it, 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 tell me if I'm wrong in that, but it's, it feels to me like you have a, a, a pretty balanced approach of uh, science and then the softer skills, relationship management, communication. Uh, you know how to uh, establish uh, change in individuals and organizations. Uh, did all that come naturally to you, or was that something that was intentionally developed? How how did you develop? Because so many uh, folks who go into healthcare think that it's science only, or that you have to take a full science curriculum. Uh, when you were in college, how did you make the decision about what you were going to study and how?
0: I mean, in some ways, it predates that. Um, you know, when I um, was growing up, uh, you know, English was uh, not commonly spoken at home. And, and what I mean by that is, yes, my parents assimilated to the country and obviously, you know, uh, uh, accumulated the knowledge of English. And, but at home, it was very often that they would speak the Indian native tongue to myself. And then i would respond back in english and (laughs) you can only get so good at english and communication uh, in that environment so you know i think i was encouraged and inspired in high school as or even before college um by uh some of my english teachers uh who challenged me to be a better writer a better thinker an organized thinker um that led on to your point in college As painful as it was to force myself to do a minor in English, and it was a—I joke—it was probably the smartest, painful, and someday realized (laughs) fun experience of, of of really getting encompassed in the language of English and the power of words. And later on, while you become a physician, the connection between the patient and the doctor, and that social, emotional. You know relationship connection is as powerful as a healer sometimes as the science and prescriptions and medicines and things we do to
1: patients i can't agree more with you there i, I you know I, I i and i think that's an aspect of medicine that we've lost to some extent or or at least a devalued to some extent 10-minute uh, appointments, not enough time to really establish relationship and trust, and that's where influence comes from. So I, I hear you loud and clear, and, and many of the, the things that you've done have been to try to rebalance that scale, it seems to me, in some way.
0: Yeah, and you put it very well. It's a, it is a rebalancing and a constant learning and evolution of how you can connect with people because I do think, you know, we we can do so many things in every industry, not just healthcare more effectively if we just take the time to build that relationship and build that trust and that buy-in i call it the buy-in whether it's a patient or whether it's my colleagues at work to be able to accomplish like what is the goal and that's to improve our well-being
1: so let's let's take a step back now and, and uh you're in high school how did you make a decision about where you wanted to go to college and, and how did that uh, how did you make those decisions
0: i always say i'm very grateful for the education i've received you know, over the years. And it's always an idea of mine to give back in those settings. And so, you know, I I was very much a proponent uh, of squeezing the juice out of the lemon. So in high school, (laughs) I really took advantage of all the opportunities that were available to me. You know, I I ran for student government and had the opportunity to be president of the high school. and, And I played varsity sports, you know, I, I always joke, and there were not many Indian kids at that time that could play varsity lacrosse and then yeah. uh, ultimately get recruited in some d three schools to, to play sports and stuff. But you know, all just aside some of the most valuable lessons I got uh, through high school and to help me through mm-hmm. my career, being able to appreciate things that you can't plan for, um being able to work as a team on a common goal. Some people are better me better than me in certain positions. I'm better in other positions. How do we come together? And want to win, yeah so those those uh, ideas and those feelings, while I still were very exposed and inspired by my biology teachers in high school, led me, I think, in a better position to be successful as I went on to choosing my college and and where I went on to uh, go to medical school.
1: you know you you touch on something that that comes up often in these conversations that I've been having, and that is mentors. You know, it's, it's fascinating uh, how important key people can be in the lives of, uh, of, 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 of all of us. And, and do you have recollections of specific mentors in high school that, you know, you said your biology teacher was. Did, you know, the way I think about a good teacher is it's somebody that I don't want to disappoint. You know, and, and and so I will go that extra mile to make sure I don't disappoint because I have so much respect for them. And I can think of many folks along the way that were like that to me. How about in your career? Is that uh, a, a common theme as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I would be remiss if I didn't say, uh, you know, my original mentors were the ones that were out of school. Those are my parents. Mm, uh, yes, of course. So we yes. often don't necessarily realize that until we get older. Yeah. The environment that they created of taking risk and, oh, you know, working in a retail setting, appreciation the business very early age. While then I would complain and be like, "Well, I want to spend where the summers where my friends are at the beach." Yeah. I was in a store helping out on Christmas and things like that. So you know, I have to acknowledge that in high school, like I said, interestingly enough, was uh, you know, uh, mentors were folks in the English uh, classes, the professors oh, and yeah. teachers in English. Because they pushed me to be better at being able to express myself right. clearly, succinctly, they put the bar high, and they were tough at at um, at at expecting from us that, and that inspired me that once I felt like that was acknowledged in high school to continue down that funny, painful path of doing that minor in English um while pursuing the sciences at the same.
1: I should mention at this point that it's uh, you have an MD, but you also have some other degrees behind your name. It's, it sounds to me like you've been a, a, a high achiever and highly driven for your entire life. You've got, what, an MPH and an MBA in addition uh, to your MD degree, so broad training across a variety of perspectives. How did that occur? What What made you want to do all of those things?
0: I don't even look at it as a high achiever as much as it is a curious learner. Um, I've always been interested in knowing what else is going on besides the direction I'm going in. So in other words, when I was going to college, um, I had the opportunity to go to University of Pennsylvania and I was happy to not be so far from the D.C. area and home. In some ways, some would call me a mama's boy, but I wanted to be far enough but close enough where I can get back where I needed to. And it was interesting, even at Penn, I had the opportunity to not just be a major in the sciences. I chose a major that was broad disciplined in the biological basis of behavior, where you study your biological sciences, but you also have exposure to anthropology, history, you know, health finance and economics, things that allow you to have an understanding of the periphery of healthcare while taking the pre-medical sciences. So doing all of this kind of work made me realize I'm interested in the whole ecosystem of what surrounds just the being a medical doctor. So when I applied um, to medical school after that experience, there were a handful of programs in the United States that had these combined MD, public health health administration programs and george washington was one of those programs in the us and had it and it meant coming back home which was not such a shabby idea after all um given a number of my friends and colleagues who had gone away to college and then ended up going in finance or policy or law they ended up coming back so it was a chance for us to kind of re uh, uh connect and and be a part of uh be a part of a, that that young professional experience at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great homecoming. Uh, and and you are uh, to this day, as I understand it, I, it, you know, maybe with a little time in between, but you're still uh, on the faculty at uh, George Washington. Is that correct? Yeah, that's
0: correct. I it's those things in lives so you do these things and then you don't realize how the story will uh, continue to evolve and end up. So, I've always been um, grateful. And a proponent of the places that have educated me. I always say, you know, there's two sectors, education and healthcare, that really shouldn't have any politics involved with it. Uh, Everybody wants the best healthcare and education. And so for me, being a part of GW is almost like giving back. So I get an opportunity there that's amazing for me to practice there clinically. And that's something I've never given up in 25-some years of doing this. But also being able to teach students and residents, and other doctors on what else is happening outside of the hospital care that we provide every day to our patients. What else is happening in everything connected like digital health, the insurance effects and so on. So it's always interesting to have those conversations and learn from them and keep my clinical skills up after all these years, but also open up a new door for them to understand.
1: Got it. Got it. So, I uh... Talk to us a little bit. I want to get into your career. So you you uh, uh, you, you ended up specializing in emergency medicine, and we can talk about that at, at some point if you'd like, or now. Uh, but, but talk to us about what that early career was like. What were you thinking then? I mean, were you thinking I'm going to be an ED doc from here on out, or or how were you uh, managing your life at that point?
0: Yeah. So, you know, as you know, when you when you go to medical school, And I had the opportunity, because I was doing the public health degree at the same time, to get, again, that exposure to health law, health finance, which made the medicine real for me to understand how what is the practicality of what I'm learning in organic chemistry or anatomy? What does it mean in the big picture of things? So that was tough, but at the same time, it was incredibly liberating to be able to have that exposure. But then when you get in that third or fourth year... Right. You start having to make some really hard decisions about what you want to spend your life doing in healthcare, And I always find it interesting that we have a few rotations, we have a maybe a year or so to really decide, do I want to be an orthopedic surgeon, do I want to be a urologist or a pediatrician, a psychiatrist or primary care? And what's fascinating about that experience is that's like somebody making a decision in some ways that I want to be an engineer. I want to work for the FAA, or I want to be a technologist. They're vastly different lifestyles and careers. Yes. Knowing that someday I may pursue interests in business and entrepreneurship and, uh. and healthcare on a bigger level, I also looked at my mentors, my advisors, my attending supervisors in different specialties, especially those that had been practicing 10 years or more, and I looked at them in saw if they were happy doing what they do. Because some fields are much more rigorous than others, and you want to make sure that you can sustain. I would say it's a marathon, not a sprint, uh, in clinical medicine. Right. Putting this all together, I'm okay with somebody not remembering Dr. Boudrani is their doctor, or somebody is not always happy when they come see me, and I don't necessarily need that longitudinal, long-term, connected care so emergency medicine, after putting those factors together, seemed like the inevitable route for me. That's why I headed on to
1: Boston to do my residency. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you raised a point earlier, and I, I didn't realize that even at the time that you were uh, training to be an emergency physician, you already had your sights, or, or even before that, when you made the decision, you already had your sights set on something else in healthcare, that you had the vision that you were going to do something besides just practice uh, uh, the delivery of care to patients. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I think the right word is vision. Um, I I like making it clear to young doctors these days, I did not intend on starting companies or working for a health plan, but I did have a vision that I wanted to do something on a broader population health scale when it came to healthcare. So the reason why I presented like that is I believe very strongly that when you do a residency and you do your training, that you need to get really comfortable and good at that specialty before you decide that it's time. So, you know, I spent the first decade, at least in my career, becoming a, what I call a subject matter expert in acute and emergency care because then I can't impact the world if I'm not really good at what I signed up for originally. So for me, it was the first part of my career was running, managing, and working in emergency departments all across the East Coast, really getting good at the foundation for what I was going to build later on in my career.
1: Yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. I get that. Um, And so talk to us about your first experience in uh venturing outside of that comfort zone of you know cuz cuz there is sort of a comfort once you get trained and you get into a practice it's like okay i know what i do every day i've got this and there's sort of a comfort zone you get into how did you get outside of that what was it that made you uh pick your first venture yes yes so
0: i guess you know what the point of getting really good at your subject matter expertise, is then you have an appreciation for the problems that affect that field. So, after several years of doing emergency medicine, it became clear to me that there are other alternatives to the ER. There are better alternatives, there's yeah. better systems. So, the first problem I tried to solve was how do we create a venue that's lower cost, more convenient? It's a win win for everybody where patients can go obtain care, but more comprehensive care, a place where you have. Pharmacy, radiology, the doctors, you can do procedures all on one site, one place, one stop shop. That was when I started my first risk-taking venture um, in urgent care system in the DC metropolitan area. So with little experience uh, starting a business, because ER doctors are employed for the most part and we see our patients and we go home, yep. urgent care was becoming my own jewelry store to go back to the- Yes, yes. Where the patients are the customers. And so built out um, while working at night in the ER to support this kind of uh, venture and having our firstborn, we'll an urgent care in, in the D.C. area and created my vision. But I did also know that I didn't know everything. I knew how to practice clinical medicine. I knew the acute care needs that were necessary. Yeah, I did know you need about a high traffic area with the signage and all these other ingredients. But I had to surround myself with people that had a knowledge base that could help me be successful, and that's what I did. I hired talented folks that could help me understand the negotiations with payers, how do you bill, and all the nuances that come with being a successful healthcare business. But what I did was I closely watched and learned from them as they were building that part of my business. And that's where I comes back to what we were talking about for me, this has just been a lifelong experience of learning how yeah. the different components of the healthcare system work and sometimes don't work to uh, to create a delivery model.
1: Yeah, you know, you you touched on so many things that are uh, part of my fundamental uh, belief system. I mean, there was a tip I picked up early on uh, that I've really taken to heart, and and and, and that and I wish I could remember the source of this. I really. Uh, wish that I could, and maybe one day I will know, but it was uh, instead of trying to become a jack of all trades and whatever your pursuits are, understand what you're really good at, know yourself well enough to know what you're really good at, focus on that, become world class if you can at that, and then surround yourself with people who make your weaknesses irrelevant. And you just described that perfectly in your approach to that urgent care business. Is that something that, uh, that, that, that you hold dear as well?
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I think that building a team with complementary strengths, not ones that you necessarily have, but ones that are complement yours, are where you create a learning, passionate, and uh, enthusiastic environment that makes your job fun and uh, goal-oriented at the same time. And I've carried that theme on, in all the various pursuits, whether it was my subsequent companies or joining the corporate world as a CEO of a health
1: plan, yeah. You, the other thing that I'm, I'm just fascinated by, uh, Sunil, is you you also embody uh, another concept that I've that I've held dear. I, I took some coaching courses uh, at Banner to become an internal coach, and and they had us come up with a two word phrase that would describe our approach uh, at the end of the the training and what I came up with is Curiously Connected. And it, the point is connection, communication, relationship and curiosity is what fuels innovation, growth and transformation. And uh, you have embodied that in the way that you've approached your career. And and that's one of the things that makes you so fascinating to me and, and why I enjoy hearing you speak. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, how that uh, venture went and what was the next thing that uh, came up? How did you manage your career from there? First of all, you said as a quick aside, you know, uh, I was working at night to support this. I was starting a new business, had my first board. Wow, that is a lot to take on. Oh my goodness. Uh, That must've been a very busy time in your life.
0: I was fortunate enough to chose a specialty where I could have a security blanket um, to be able to start a venture. Um, You know, I think physicians, we're funny breed because we become physicians because it's a guaranteed profession to be in. But in some ways, it should encourage us to take more risk because we can always go back to the guarantee of being a physician or a caretaker or a provider. So, uh, you know, I had that mentality going along. And to your point, after building this urgent care system and scaling it through Maryland, Virginia and D.C., Um, I was able to exit the business successfully and then continue on that path of of the theme of finding appropriate ways to take care of patients. So around um, 2014, we started seeing the payers, one of the largest payers in our region, send millions of letters out to their members saying, we're going to cover telemedicine for you to go see your doctor on video, and it's free. But the interesting thing is, The payers were doing something we see often is not necessarily letting know the providers how you do it. How do you bill for it? How do you do (laughs) the technology? So we saw this as an opportunity and started a telemedicine uh, company that had basically put all the components of an office visit together, a patient portal and a medical record, an electronic medical record for the doctors to document, and an online video technology to connect the pieces to create that online exam room and then we were off to the races educating and writing a lot of papers on how should one conduct a telehealth visit and we saw this as an opportunity well before the pandemic but it also had its some um, it has its stresses anytime you build a new idea a new solution even if your gut tells you it's the right thing to do you have to convince patients and providers i always call those are the two sides of the healthcare coin. Without getting buy-in from both sides, it's hard to launch a healthcare technology. So we were writing a script.
1: Yeah, that's, a, a, first of all, a amazing uh, forays into very early uh, uh, strategies. Yeah, as you said, pre-pandemic for telemedicine, uh, it sounds like you were pretty early on, early 2000s in the urgent care game. You and I met because of our association with Aetna's joint venture strategy. You were in the very first joint venture uh, that uh, Aetna started with uh, Innova, uh, and I don't know what year that was, but how did you get into that deal after being an entrepreneur uh, for a, an extended period there, a successful entrepreneur? What happened? Uh, to land you on a health plan something.
0: So, as I mentioned, you know, I was in the entrepreneurial world between the two companies for almost 15 years, and and you know, you, uh, uh, expectedly, get fatigued and tired, you know, and then you start yeah. reflecting back and seeing, you know, I had two daughters over that span of period of time, and you you start thinking about, okay, how can I create a better work life balance because. You can imagine starting two companies from scratch. You are the founder. You're the engineer in many ways. You're writing the new solutions of how people are going to be using this kind of care. And then you're the salesperson. So yeah. to have yeah. that ra- round-the-clock job and then thinking about what a corporate uh, uh, setting could look like was, was interesting, especially when I was reached out by some uh, executives who were part of the Aetna organizations at the time to consider being their chief medical officer. And it was hard not to find that job intriguing because it was one of the largest payer provider ventures in the United States, and it was in my backyard. Yeah. So for me, it was a matter of I still had a responsibility to continue the growth of my company. I had stakeholders. I had investors at that time and I had customers that believed in myself and the company. And so it was not something I could just abruptly turn off. So right. we um, we were able to work out a transition over time, about a year or so, and I was able to turn over the reins to my co-founder as the CEO, and I uh, was joined the joint venture, um, not knowing what a corporate environment could ever look like, it could even handle me or I could handle it. <laughs> pleased to say I joined around 2016 and uh, really had an amazing opportunity at taking the greatest assets of a health, uh, a health system um, and care management uh, expertise in patient care and merging it with what a payer like Aetna could do with analytics and marketing and uh, actuarial yes, yeah. work and and put together the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I was attracted by that same uh scenario and you mentioned something uh previously about uh curiosity we talked about that a little bit but uh it was an opportunity to learn something new as well uh, and it and uh it, that's one of the things that drove me and I'm guessing that that uh was part of your decision too
0: yes you know that was very much a part of it also i mean you're you're forging a new path right you're not, you're creating what you always envisioned should be a better integrated healthcare system and what better organizations for you and me to be able to partner
1: with, lead, and help devise what the new
0: script of healthcare could look like for
1: our regions. Yeah, and then, Sunil, to to take it one step further, you, you functioned in the CMO role, and then all of a sudden, next thing I know, you're the CEO of uh, the organization. How did that transpire?
0: Again, it's one of those things where I, I, I like this quote to share that always sticks in my mind when opportunity knocks at the door there are some people out there looking for four-leaf clovers and there's other people that just know it's a time to make the opportunity happen and so for me at the time roughly cvs was uh, making an acquisition of Aetna, and there was a lot of excitement related to that, but there was also a lot of change. Yeah. It was a time where I thought I might take that same transition and enter the policy healthcare world and see what levers I could pull there. But the role of uh, CEO, when it was offered to me by the board, seemed very intriguing. It wasn't common or at all that a practicing physician, and I still practiced also through that time, was able to oversee a Medicare commercial and individual exchange business for the region. So I saw this as an opportunity like I've had many times in my life where my experience in healthcare would be beneficial to the health plan. And at the same time, I could learn something new. And I always believe that if you get an opportunity like that, where you can provide your experienced knowledge base to an organization, but at the same time learn the nuances of that role, then it's a win-win because you bring a null, no, but you bring a new perspective to a role. So it was incredibly rewarding. We had a growth phase, but then the pandemic hit, which was interesting being yes. CEO of a health plan and a practicing ER. So it put me in a, a really interesting role where and again I'm in a corporate environment and in my mind I'm an entrepreneur so I'm treating everything I'm doing like it's my own uh, company which is you you realize when you think like this even if you're in a corporate environment it's not like the corporate environment may make you become a 9 to 5 Monday through Friday person if you're uh an entrepreneur or you're uh, the way you think this is this is what you do so I think um during the pandemic it definitely Um, brought those true lights out because I was able to spend a lot of time with employers, sports teams, and so on to explain the pandemic. How do you get back to work? How do you get back to the basketball court? And all kinds of interesting kind of roles that intersected the clinical world and the business world
1: um, during the pandemic. You know, what I'm impressed by, Sunil, is that you have this sustained energy and drive over decades it's really impressive what you've been able to accomplish and the uh, uh the amount of energy that you bring to the table where does that come from how do you how do you explain that
0: yeah i i think like you know and what makes this interview so fun to do with you is you know energy is infectious it's contagious and you know i have surrounded myself uh in and chosen work environments where people inspire me. Uh, They really like what they do, they like being where they're at, and they're interested in making change. And I always try to be in those environments as much as I can, because then it doesn't feel like work. It feels like uh, collectively something fun together. So um, that's a motto I've always said, whether it's three or five years you spend in a place, but if you feel like I always say that you're not learning something, And you're not teaching something, and you're not making something move forward. It's probably time to consider a a, a different role uh, or a different
1: work environment. Yeah, I want I want to cover two things in the in the uh, short time that we have left here. And the first is, what do you see as the major challenges in healthcare now? And uh, what are you doing now? What 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 are you uh, doing post? Innovation Health.
0: Reflecting on all my learnings in healthcare. And again, seeing where the problems lie, because the older you get, you want to be very strategic about where you put your time, your experience, and your energy. And so that being said, I have had an opportunity to meet leaders across the payer world, the health system world, digital health, investment. And where I see Clearly, our problems lie in fragmentation of healthcare. Within our own ecosystem, we have silos all the way between payers, providers, even despite all these attempts of joint ventures, the fragmentation exists across healthcare. And that's fragmentation of care coordination, it's fragmentation of data, it's fragmentation of financial models. So what we end up with is a very reactive healthcare system. Good. financial models that support doing more to patients after they get a disease like it's cancer, or heart failure, or so on. The prototypical example of this reactive healthcare system was a pandemic. Vaccines right. were never a profitable or a, like an invested business that we devoted the attention until you have coronavirus. Yes. Then. We, within months, can create an incredible technological vaccine and reactively come save the day because the costs, of not, were immense. So I think this fragmentation of the system has not allowed us to be coordinated, share data, and move towards a preventive, proactive system where you can actually take risk on populations and disease to m- promote better outcomes, if
1: that makes sense. Sunil, that is absolutely dead on, uh, consistent with what I see. And we're going to have to let that be the last word. Uh, there is so much more that we have to talk about. And uh, uh, gosh, you've already given me, what, two and a half hours today. <laughs> so uh, I really appreciate your time and uh, and your patience and your willingness to, to share what you've learned with the audience. It is. It's an amazing story, and I hope there will be much more to come uh, in the future as we talk about different, you know, we haven't talked about AI. There are so many things. Any last words that you have for the audience before we say uh, goodbye for today?
0: Yeah, I'd say no again. Robert, appreciate the opportunity to be catching up with you, and the energy is always infectious. It's great catching up here. And, and I would encourage folks to, you know, the more as you try to figure out how to improve and make this healthcare system, I'm one point of view. And that point of view came from the experiences that I've had in my life that I've built in this classroom of learning, you know, the experiential yeah. classroom of learning, right? There are many folks that have had a different experiential classroom of learning. And I think the more we think about the different components of healthcare and how they're connected pharmacy, medical, digital health, insurance, the doctors, the patients, the more we think about them collectively. And understand the basis of each of those different parts of our healthcare system, the better we'll be equipped to figure out how we bring those pieces together and really achieve an outcomes-based, value-based model. So... Opening our minds to the other aspects of healthcare is a key component to success.
1: Great perspective. You have so much more to teach and uh, I'm enthusiastic about the future based on folks like you. So uh, with that, we are going to say so long for now from the Groves Connection and Dr. Sunil Boudrena. Bye-bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Groves Connection, your connection to the inside story on health care. Featuring in-depth interviews with those who know. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review to keep the connection going. And hit the subscribe button to be sure you never miss a beat. The Groves Connection is produced by Dr. Robert Groves. Original music, editing, and creative direction provided by Alden Groves. Production support, content guidance, courtesy of Janae Sharp and Elizabeth Barrett. Thank you. We're listening. Let me you're sure, you're sure, you're sure. The professional ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and do not reflect those of any current or past employers. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time on The Groves Connection.